This is the next episode of the Chatterbox Video Game Radio Show. My name is Alon. And my name's Ara. And so I'm going to tell you a little bit about what's going on in my life right now, Ara. There's a lot of change going on in your life right now. There, There is a lot of change. Um, so I'm moving. And this is that's really the primary change. I mean, there's a bunch, but what's affected my most recent 24 hours is the moving. Uh, you've gone through this before. Most everyone has. But and, I don't, I don't know that you've gone gone through it to the same degree well every time i move i unpack less things and also the chances of me moving again are greatly diminished right yeah you don't want to do it again but you know i have a wife um and i have collected stuff over the years for a long time i'm not not blaming her but she definitely has a lot of stuff death rays I have a death ray. Yeah, someone wants it. Punching pads attached <clears throat> to frames. Someone's been watching my Facebook. Yeah. Uh, so I'm trying to give away some stuff. And a lot of it, it just... Like, we packed most of it before we even sold our house. And then it's like that last 10 or 20% takes even longer. I don't, I don't know how... To get rid of. Just to pack. I don't know how oh. to have... But you're like, oh, here's this other thing, and this other thing, and this other thing. And then it's like, well, I have this box that's, you know, a cubic foot, but this thing is tiny and doesn't fit in with any of the other stuff I've packed, like, just thematically. So I don't want to put this this thing that is totally unrelated to these other things in this box, because I'll totally forget where it is. Sounds kind of like what happens in game development. Does it? You know, yes. <clears throat> you know, the last, the last 10% of the game takes 90% of the effort. Yeah, I mean, there's this this common 80-20 or 90-10 rule. Yeah, it's kind of like that. Yeah, you can do most of the work real fast, and it's that polish at the end. But let me tell you, I've, I have not sleeping, slept. See? That's Clearly. Proof. proof. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't sleep last night. Uh, my wife got a few hours, uh, but I just stayed up all night because I am slow at this stuff. I am slow packing. I am slow, yeah, when I need to get stuff done. Like I was, also sounds like game development. I was super fast in the last hour before they were supposed to arrive with the truck and everything. That that part happens in game development too. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's a perfect mirror. <laughs> you get really fast at the end because um, yeah. Unfortunately, I haven't been I haven't been playing a lot of games the last few days because like I had to take the TVs down and my internet's been turned off for a few days. Uh, I got a friend texting me today like Titanfall tonight and like nope, nope, no internet. Um, <clears throat> but I'll be I'll be back in action in a week. Um, and this will be the last time we're actually recording a show in person. Unless you're going to come up to Denver. Unless you're going yeah. to come down to Phoenix. <laughs> but it's, it means that, you know, I can be introduced to a whole new group of fans. Maybe if you guys live in Denver, you know, let me know. That's true. I definitely want to, I want to start. So like right now we have, we have a friend who does like a Friday night game night. Like come over, you just play new games you've never played before or old ones that you haven't played in a long time or whatever. And I, I need to start something like that or get in on something of the sort. So if any of our listeners do that and they're in the Denver area or, you know, a little bit northwest of Denver, uh, let me know because I want to I want to get in. If you're an axe murderer, he's not interested. Yeah, I will trust you for at least a minute uh, to, to hope that you're not going to kill me. But but yeah, I, I need to because I don't know anybody. I have like one friend in Denver. So, well, that's more than the amount of friends yeah. I have in Denver. So. So anyway, I was saying I haven't been playing games, especially because I don't have internet. Um, but there is a game I played specifically on the internet for the last two days, but not anymore. Because you have to pack and time's uh, running out. No, no, not actually. That's not the reason. If you've been watching my Facebook, as it sounds like you have, um, I was collecting Pokemon 
in Google Maps. What? Yeah, did you not see all my posts? As hard as it is to believe, I did not see all your posts. All right. and, I, and I actually wasn't even <clears throat> particularly looking after what you were doing. Right? So Google tends to do a good job with their April Fool's jokes. Uh, this particular April Fool's, they released like a day early. So on March 31st, you could see what they were doing. And what they were doing was actually changing Google, Map, Google Maps to have Pokemon in the maps. I'm shocked that I haven't heard of anything about yeah. this. So I read about it on the morning of the 31st. And I didn't go reading the full article. Like I saw the headline and thought, well, it's an April Fool's thing. And I'm basically just not paying attention to these. But then I was... You know, I was driving down to a luggage repair place because we had some luggage that had gone bad and like I wanted to get it taken care of before we left town. That answers the question of if those things exist in the world. They do, and they seem very busy, by the way. So if you're looking to start a business, find a crappy little joint near the airport and start doing luggage repair, especially because it's all warranted, so you get paid. Anyway, um, I was down there and looking at the maps uh, on my phone to figure out you know, the fastest way to get to whatever. And um, in a wild squirtle appeared. No, here's the thing. Out of the blue. Well, first off, it was a Pidgey. Um, and I didn't know what it was. It was just some splotch on the map, and my phone was far enough from my face that you, I couldn't realize, decide what was going on. You realize that my heart has shriveled just in that last sentence that yeah. I uttered. Hey, look. Look on my map. It's still there. Do you see the Pokeball? What's going on here? Yeah, there's a Pokeball right at the end of the runway there at the airport. That's true. Yeah, so I was near the airport because of going to Mark's luggage, which seems they've done a bang-up job, by the way. Well, if there's anything that uh, Google wants to draw children toward, it's the end of the runway at the airport. So so anyway, I'm at at Mark's luggage. I'm looking there. It's near the airport, and I see this thing, and I click on it, and it's like, a wild Pokemon appeared. I was like, oh, my God. I read about this this morning. I didn't know what it did, but it's infiltrated my phone, and that's awesome. So I click the little catch button, right? So if if you click on it, uh, it's a little bit different because I've already caught it. Does Nintendo, does Nintendo know about this? Yeah, they must. It's all like, you know, trademark, whatever, released. So then okay. it's like, oh, this appeared, and then you can view your Pokedex. All right. Uh, <clears throat> and over the course of those two days, yesterday and the day before, I caught 86 of the 150 available Pokemon. Because... And, and by catch, you mean you found the icon on the Google map that was yeah, randomly Yeah, but you have placed. to go hunting for it. It's actually a great idea for kids because it's not like... the. It didn't show up just because I was near it. It sh- they exist in specific places, like at the Statue of Liberty, at the Great Wall of China. You know, there's a couple so, around the pyramids. So wait, you have to be there? Does your GPS? No, you don't have to be there. You just have to search it and find it. Now, in my case, I happened to be there looking at the map, which is how I saw the first one. Mm. But then I was like, where else are they? So I searched like JFK Airport, and there was one there. You know what happens there. when you catch these? Other than it says you catch them, <clears throat> I get a little addiction. Yeah. Besides that. No, not, I mean, nothing real. So what's the payoff here? Google the claimed that their their April Fool's video was that um, they're, they have a new job opening for Pokemon Master, huh. right? And those who catch all 150 by the cutoff time, which was um, like 2 p.m. today, uh, so before April 1st and April, after April 1st, um, will be invited for like a final match down at, at the Googleplex. But, okay, you know what? I can get behind this now. Because... But here's the thing. I don't know if that's real because the whole uh, thing was a joke, right? Right. So I don't know if the whole trip is is a fake. I would be very disappointed if after troubling myself to find a, all 150 Pokemons that they did they did renege on their offer. Well, at the very end of the video, it gives this like tongue-in-cheek, uh, 
like FYI, we haven't something about like not being sure who's going to hire for the job and so it's not actually an open position Pokemon is not a topic to be trifled with (laughs) right finding 86 was very difficult I gotta point out and I I couldn't find more like how hard is it to find important places on the planet right well there's a lot of them like I mean I was digging deep my wife was helping me out like Easter Island which doesn't come in mind first I'm surprised that you were like actually this motivated to like find these random points I don't know if it was like a combination of boredom because I had lack of other like video games that's enough that works or if it was just super novel that Google was doing this in fact I I would bet that that's probably what it was for me I'll begrudgingly admit that that's part of it Um, that it just that I, I found it organically if I had not just found it accidentally even though I kind of knew it existed, I didn't understand how it was being implemented. Yeah. If I hadn't found it organically, I think it would have been different. Because I happened to be there uh, and saw one, and I was like, oh my god, this is great. I can find more. Yeah, Where, fair enough. Where's more? Strangely, Sydney, Australia was the densest place. There were like 20 of them all around Sydney. And that's all, normally there's like one or two. So well, I don't know what's going on down there. Clearly, there's some Australian bigots on the Google <laughs> yeah. development team. Um. So that was great. I'm curious if anyone, any one of our listeners uh, were busy catching these and if anyone caught more than me. I, it's doubtful. I don't know anyone who caught more than me. But, like, I, I opted, by the way, not to use the Internet to, to cheat. I did ask my friends, but I, I refused to go outside of my, my sphere of friends because that's where I feel like the cutoff for cheating is. See, it's funny that you consider this cheating because we've had cheating arguments in the past. Where and almost every time things that I consider cheating, you don't consider cheating, and I think this might be the opposite case for once. Really? Well, yeah, because I wouldn't consider that cheating because you have, you have. I mean, it's not like a crossword puzzle where you have clues. It's just, oh, uh, let me look at this random place. Oh, okay, that didn't work. Okay, let me look at this other random place. Like you have no. Well, it's not exactly random. When I go to Mount Rushmore, I'm going. To Mount Rushmore. I'm not okay. going to some Let weird spot in the state. Let me go to a random known landmark, of which there's like an arbitrary <laughs> number anyway. So yeah, but this this game, this, the discovery is the game. Look, what that, I'm saying the process is, is all there there's, is. There's, so if you take that out, I know. But what I'm saying is, there's nothing to the process of discovery because you have no information that would well, give so, you like, okay, well, I should look try here instead of here. Well, like, you, you have to search a little bit, right? Because they only show up. Different Pokemon appear at different zoom levels, and if you're zoomed in really close, yeah. like it's not going to be right on the pinpoint. Yeah, so just as annoying as regular Google Maps, yeah. when like I'm looking at like a corner and I want to find out what's there to eat, and there's like an arbitrary number of like identifying markings at every zoom level, so it's uh, like okay, like what's here? Okay, let's go in. Okay, now there's different things here. Well, what happens here is like if you want to look at like the whole state, they're not going to show up. So you zoom in a little bit and maybe one shows up. You think you found it, right? But if you zoom in a couple more times, yeah. you might find more. So that just makes it even more yeah. arbitrary now. But it's, it, it was very hard to find them though because you might, let's say you look for the Statue of Liberty. It's not actually where the pin is yeah. usually. Usually it's not actually where the pin is. You have to like search around a little bit. So if you're zoomed in close enough to actually see them, it's hard to find. So there's a little bit of discovery. And you know what? I want to say one last thing about this. We talk about, well, we don't, but there's a lot of talk about games that use like Google Maps and stuff like this. And they, it's all, it's like everyone's hoping for like somebody to figure out how to do a game in this way where it's actually really compelling. And it just seems like nobody ever has. I really enjoyed this. It's, it was great to do while sitting in the, well, you're a salon and whatever, but I'm not.
We'll be right back, folks. Go catch a Pokemon. Chatterboxers, how much do you love Amazon.com? Since you're like me, the answer is a lot. And since you love Chatterbox almost as much, here's what I want you to do. Next time you get a new game, a pair of socks, downloadable MP3, anything really, go to helpchatterbox.com. It takes you to Amazon, but when you buy something, we get a piece of the action. That's good for us, and Amazon feels good because you didn't buy it from GameStop. Helpchatterbox.com. Remember it. Bookmark it. Tattoo it backwards on your forehead. And yes, all I'm asking you to do is buy stuff you are already going to buy. Just do it at helpchatterbox.com. Alright, we're back. It's Chatterbox where we no longer talk about Pokemon. I'm, I'm so incensed from... Uh, I can't even do it. I'm not even incensed. About Pokemon? But I am... I, I don't even know what verb to use right now, but in retaliation <laughs> for your flagrant exposition of Pokemon... Yeah. I guess I know what's coming. <laughs> I'm going to come back with my own flagrant exposition of Gran Turismo. Oh, uh, yeah. All right. The the clock starts now. This is good. <laughs> this is this is funny because you could you could think that of all the things I've been saying over the past months about what's going on with this game, that the disaster that is Gran Turismo Six could not get any more ridiculous. But no, it is getting more ridiculous. I like that you opted to use the word disaster. Now, if you're wondering if you need some refresher on why it's a disaster, the reason is because they they basically they deliver a game that has less features than the last one. And every time they update it, they break things while fixing other things. But is it prettier? And I mean, look, it's prettier. Okay, just barely. But the thing is, is that what people, what is, what people are most upset about uh, I think it's a righteous upsetness is that they've, they've announced features that, and they've given certain dates for those features to be delivered and they've basically missed all of them. And so anyway, they've just announced that next week there's going to be another update. And it's funny because people thought this was an April fool's joke, <laughs> but apparently, apparently it's not. They're going to, so Never mind the fact that there's um, all kinds of weird bugs in the game that make the game feel just like it's unfinished. Um, what they decided to do is announce that there's this new feature coming called a data logger. Okay. And this feature... Is, doesn't that exist in every game? No. This, this is a specific feature where uh, if you happen to own a Japanese domestic market... Toyota, what are they calling it over there? I think it's the FRS. Same thing as the Subaru BRZ. F I think they're calling it the FT1 over so there. So for those who don't follow the No, cars, that's another version Is that a sports it. car? It's basically like, it's the new, like, hot, uh, but, like, underpowered sports car. Okay. Okay. Um, anyway, if you have that car and you buy it in Japan, I guess after today or after some point, 
there's a button on it that you can press where if you just happen to be at, oh, I don't know, Fuji Speedway or uh, one of the 20-odd tracks in the game, if you're able to go there with your new Toyota that's only this model, you can actually capture data of your track performance and then upload it to Gran Turismo. I feel like this game, like the people who make the game, tricked Sony into funding them to just like have a good time. I feel like they tricked us into buying a product that would have features that more than three people in the world can actually use. Says the man with three fifty-two inch screens. Yeah, well, when I'm in that group, it's fine. <laughs> <laughs> I guess I can't complain too much because they did they did put in all that work for multi-screen, and I am one of three people who enjoy that. But this is just getting people even more incensed because while there's all of these things in the game that are blatantly broken that need to be addressed and are not getting addressed, they're working on these high concept features that are maybe really good PR for the company, but it's not servicing the customer's needs. And a lot of the customers are feeling, feeling neglected, and when rightfully they re- so. When they release these updates, they aren't also you know, stabilizing the game? Well, supposedly they are, but what's been the frustrating experience is that, when, they, like I said, every time they do this, they'll fix things, but then other things break. And it's... I mean, that just that in and of itself just speaks to what kind of a disaster it is because your your development has to be in a huge morass that you're actually like not only do you have known bugs that you've shipped with, but you're actually making more of them that are I'm even I mean, I even I get bugs new like this week that I never experienced the previous week. And it's not game breaking, it doesn't make the game crash, but there are things that you just, I mean, it's an overall feel thing. I mean, everybody knows this, you know, you just feel like you're not working with a product that has been actually finished. It's rough around the edges. Weird things happen all the time. It's just not a finished product. And it's, it's embarrassing for them. I don't know why they did this. Well, actually, I can, I can take a really good guess. Yeah, but they were under a tight deadline, I think. No, I think what happened was, I mean, to be a little more precise about it, I think what happened was that um, either, you know, Polyphony Boss or somebody above him at Sony is like, no, you got to release a Gran Turismo product this year. You have to because we have to make money. And this is, you know, actually, this kind of leads into something that um, I, I wanted to talk about a little bit. It was really interesting how Square, you know, Square Enix... Uh, the Japanese parent company, they released some kind of a statement this week, early this week or late last week, where they're basically like, um, you know what? We've lost our way with pandering to the masses. My with words, all, not with theirs. all the Final, Final Fantasy games? Well, the way that they've been making a lot of development lately in the past five years was just like super, um, they've just been going super mass market. And there was another game that was a super niche game that did really well. It might have been Bravely Default. I don't remember exactly. But anyway, all their mass market games have been languishing economically, and their niche game, which like wasn't supposed to be a big hit, was a big economic hit. And I think that Gran Turismo is making the same mistake that all these other companies are that that now Square Enix is realizing, which is that you can't you can't just go for the biggest PR splash and the lowest common denominator and expect that to sustain itself. I mean, maybe that'll work in the short term, but you're you're going, I mean, you're resting on your laurels as it is if it's working on your short term. Yeah. 
So it's I think it's just endemic of like all of these big development studios there. I mean, Codemasters did the same thing. They're just like, oh, they get scared because they're not making as money as much money, and they're like, oh, okay, we have to do all these things to make the game more appealing to broad audiences. But they're what they're doing is is that they're alienating the audiences that made them successful in the first place. And it's it's funny to me that it's now that all of this seems to become be becoming really apparent versus before it happened. Because if you knew if you know anything about video games, you would have been able to see this way back when. It's what the it's what fans were complaining about the whole time. It just takes a lot longer for these kinds of things to actually get reflected in the economy. I'm not <clears throat> I'm not completely sure that I'm following you at this point. So, like, fans complain when the game doesn't basically service... They, they don't feel like it services them in the way that... Uh, what brought them to the game in the first place, right? Okay. So, when fans complain... Like, like fans have been complaining about stuff... I mean, like, THQ, the company I used to work for, we did this, uh, we did this to fans with our ATV games. Yeah, you released a lot of those. And not only did we release too many of them, right? But, like, the last one was, like... There's supposed to be all this DLC content that actually never came out, and well, it's because the company went bankrupt after a while. But it was like this experiment that went wrong, and the whole thing is basically what I'm saying is that people can tell when people can. I mean, if it's a game that you've been playing, if it's a game that you like, you can tell when the developer of that game, if there's multiple installments, if they've started to pander and if they're not, if they're basically, like I said, resting on their laurels, people can tell and they're complaining. It's just that it's taken, I guess, a couple of years of lag for the economy to catch up to it. Get it. Do you, do you think the relationship between, um, sales and reaction to the game is like serpentine and that it, it lags a year by that? I mean, you know, the first game in a series is released. Everybody says, oh, this great new IP, it's it's good, right? So then they release a second one, and people like it, right? So then the next one will have more sales because more people like the second one. Now, if they didn't like the second one, they all bought it anyway. They probably bought more, more people bought it from the first one, but you don't hear the reaction from the customers until after they've bought it and hated it. So sales yeah, are still high. And then the third one, because they hated the second one, the third one suffers, even though it might be better. Yeah, it's a really good question. Um, I think that there's definitely aspects of that, although it's impossible to know to what degree. Like, for example, the Sonic series, I feel like that game, the popularity of the whole series has been solely because of maybe the first game and maybe the second one. Yeah, I mean, and every everyone after that, it's just been, it's just, it's gone steadily downhill. The only reason why any of those things were popular is because of the momentum generated by the first two. And, and so it could, I think that it could, so that kind of momentum, I think, can last across multiple, multiple years and titles and redos. And uh, some because it's like, well, okay, like I feel because here's another spot that the fan is usually in. It's like, well. I feel like they haven't delivered me like a worthy, like something that was as good as the previous experiences, but everything else out there is crap anyway, so I'm just going to get this one anyway. I mean, there's a lot of that too, so. Yeah. <clears throat> I just, I guess what I'm debating is, 
are people it, are the sales reflected by the the early adopters liking it or hating it or are sales more affected by reaction to the previous iteration right so if i'm paying attention to the yeah. reviews i might they, people might hate it now and i don't buy it because of reviews but i think it's actually what i what i suggested that the the success of a game that's in a series of games um, is more directly related to the quality of its previous game than to the quality of the current game. Yeah, I think both can happen, though, and I think it's 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 so complicated. It's funny because I think ultimately the question that we're discussing is, does how good the game is actually matter? And I think the answer is absolutely, but its effects on sales are so subtle and complex that... Uh, it's easy to forget how profound an effect, however delayed, that could be. Yeah. All right, we'll be right back. It's me, Mario. You're listening to Chatterbox Video Game Radio. It's a number one. Woo-hoo! All right, we're back. We have a bunch of topics in the hopper, but before we get to that, I'm going to remind everyone I was talking about Facebook earlier. That was my personal Facebook profile that I was talking about, but I have, I've put together the Chatterbox Video Game Radio page, and that is Facebook slash Chatterbox Video Game Radio, as as you might expect. Um, we link to it also from our website, which is not ChatterboxVideoGameRadio.com. It is just um, Chatterbox Game Show or ChatterboxShow.com. Um, so yeah, visit the Facebook page. Tell us the sort of stuff that you want us to talk about. If you have any questions um, that you want us to answer, those are good too. And don't um, message me directly on Facebook. Yeah. Message Chatterbox. Yeah, and because once I in a won't while, see it if you message me. Once in a while, you and I will actually define who it is that's posting on behalf of Chatterbox. Yeah, once in a while, it could be either of us. You never know unless yeah. we tell you. If uh, if the person's talking about moving to Denver, then it's probably me. Um, all right. So one thing that I posted on our Facebook page last week um, was about this character in Congress, who I guess is no longer in Congress, or is. I mean, are you allowed to be in if you've been arrested? I don't know. Uh, I don't know the rules. I don't know, but in this case, uh, he is not only arrested, but also not allowed to be in it at the moment. Okay. So our you, favorite Leland <laughs> Yee, by the way. I, I was going to say our listeners might remember that name because we've talked about him in the past, and I I think I actually saw him speak at a GDC one year. Really? And if it was GDC, I I definitely saw him talk, but. With my adult brain, it could have been that I saw a video of him talking, but I'm pretty sure I saw him in person at a GDC once. Yeah. Did he have and, like and, a little mm-hmm. like um, like miniature bomb like hanging out of his pocket? Or no, he had no props. Some like ammo, ammo falling out accidentally. It, it might have been a debate session, right? Because it was right when he was at sort of the height of his, you know, not anti-gaming, but but gaming legislation stuff. And his argument was actually very sound to me. And I commented about that on the show, that the argument he made was quite reasonable. It wasn't for banning games or anything. It was just for 
you know, putting some rules around them. And I was like, well, I mean, I can't say I'm totally opposed to that. Um, and I actually defended him a little bit. But I'm not going to defend what he got arrested for now. Yeah, because um, this is like the most beautiful hypocriticalness. Oh, yeah. No, it's perfect irony. Experience. I mean, this is the juiciest thing we've seen in a long time. So, once again, to refresh your memory, if you don't remember, back in 2005, he was pushing, Leland Yee was pushing this anti-video game law, which is the one that you're talking about. And it actually ended up costing California uh, a little over a million and a quarter. Just to go through the process of promoting the bill? Just whatever it was that he did uh, ended up costing that that much money, which um, it's more than a million, but... I mean, in any corner on the street is worth more than a million. So it's actually not that much money. Okay. Um, but now, right, so he's talking about how this whole time he's talking about how he wants to, it's, he basically wanted to prevent kids from buying games like GTA and stuff like that, right? Grand, Grand, Theft Auto. Grand Theft Auto. Now, let's look at the docket here. And what has uh, Leland Yee gotten arrested for? Well, let's see. He's got... Uh, one count of conspiracy to deal firearms without a license to legally import firearms. <laughs> that doesn't sound like anything that could happen in Grand Theft Auto. And six counts of wire fraud of honest services, which in English means he was basically eliciting, eliciting, illicitly soliciting. This is a new word. He was eliciting. Okay. <laughs> okay, I'm going to... I'm just... Too enamored of myself today. Campaign donations is what he was going after. And it was stuff like, you know, the whole the whole backdoor political stuff that we think about maybe happens, but not sure if it actually happens. It happens, and this happened. And it's it's funny because the guy so the guy's got a lawyer and they're actually they're doing a trial. He's on like half a million dollars bail or something like that, so it's really serious. He proves that he gets a ton of money even though he just works for the state. Yeah, well, it's funny because there's, there's a CBS story about it, um, and his attorney, his name is De- Demeester, was, it's just so weird. I guess it was, he's kind of implying that they might use an entrapment defense, but it seems kind of impossible because the only things that his attorney was talking about was like, uh, th- these are the, I mean, th- these are ostensibly things that they could attack or defend with, right? And he was like, well, like, a really good question is why did the case take three years? That's what the, like, that's all the lawyer had to say. Or, and the other part was another very good question is the uh, allocation of scarce federal resources, fairness to Leland Yee and fairness to the public. I mean, it, am I wrong in interpreting the subtext there as being like, that's like, you can act, he, he's actually putting forward the idea that um, there was a worse criminal out there so you could have gone after him instead of the senator. That's Uh, somehow an affirmative defense. Well, when you're reaching, it doesn't necessarily have to be a good good defense. Yeah, so anyway, um, me not being a lawyer, but loving to pretend like I know something about this stuff when I don't, uh, I think he's screwed. I get, part of me really wants him to go down just because it makes for a good story. Yeah, it's it's a great story. The guy who was, was uh, again, I, I don't want to say he was against games, but a guy who made a major stink with 
games legislation, which is generally frowned upon in this community. Um, yeah, going to jail for basically reenacting Grand Theft Auto. For doing life. the things that he said were so bad as fictional depictions. Yeah. It's the, it's the, well, depending on your point of view, it's the worst or the best kind of hypocrisy. Yeah. Okay, well, I don't know. That's pretty much all I have to say about that. Okay. So, um, do you know what, what news came out today? Or did You had one more thing you wanted to talk about. We have about. Titanfall and we have the Game Jam incident. The Game Jam thing. Yeah. This one, I can't tell if this is going to take us a while or not. It could go either way. It's one of those things. Okay, so um, have you participated in a Game Jam before? Oh, okay. This is how you want to go about it. No, I haven't. No. Have you I've, attended any? I've partially attended and I've also judged them. But it's it's funny to me because here's the thing about a lot of game jams is that they're like multi-day events and the people who are really hardcore are basically literally working constantly during an entire day or two or three. Yeah. And that's great for everybody who does it. If you have the energy to do that, that's great. I mean, if you were going to spend the time anyway, it's great too. But I don't like working for free, so whenever I have the luxury to choose between doing work for free and doing work for uh, actually getting paid, I would like to get paid. Yeah, well, I mean, ideas from a game jam can can turn no, out it's well, true. But... It's true. I mean, I'm being a little snarky, but um, yeah, that's that's ma- that's mainly the reason why I, ha- I don't really do them. What I what I'm trying to lead you to is a discussion of the culture at these things and the people, right? So we both know indie game developers. And I I have been personally fascinated by, and I'm, I'm going to describe this incorrectly, I think, like the lack of interest in marketing from these game developers. Oh, I see where you're going with it's, this. It's like... It's not even a lack of interest. Like, well, it's, I think uh, it's. I think. Well, what I think what you're referring to is basically naivety. I, I think it's militant opposition. Wow. Okay. Right. Like in the same way, I'm against religion. Perhaps due to naivety. Perhaps. Uh, in in the same way that I'm against religion, people are like, the indie developers don't want to do. Some of them, don't want to do anything that could even be perceived as, um, you know, for the purpose of. Basically, get getting a dollar from someone, right? Like it's I'm not going to put in-game purchases, even if they might make sense. Well, it's what um, it is is that it's it's a militant opposition to being uh, coercive or manipulative, which yeah, which in and of itself is very righteous. I can appreciate that. However, there, I can also appreciate that there are revenue streams that are valid. Um, yeah, sometimes I do feel mm-hmm. like uh, the uh, so-called indie community mm-hmm. in general. Um, is a little too polarized in this respect. Yeah, I think they overcorrect. Yeah. Yeah, I'm not trying to... It's This is a good side of the argument to be on. I would rather someone be uh, too protective. Yeah, well, it's like, it's like I always interest. say. Um, it's not uh, how much you get, it's how you get it that matters. Yeah, and, and so a lot of them put in that care. And more importantly, like, they care about the development process. They care about each other. Um, they care about you know, the respect of their craft and all that. And then there was this, 
this reality show. And I, you probably have more data on it. Like, I think you should really introduce what happened here. Yeah. So there was a television reality show that was staged to be a reality show about the game jam. And yeah. I guess it was called game underscore jam all in caps. And to be clear, nothing that you said there is out of the ordinary until the game jam part, right? Like a staged reality show. Like that's, that's what reality yeah. shows and are. So actually, we could probably end up talking the rest of the show about this because there's actually a lot of different things that happened at this incident. There's a lot of different angles going on mm-hmm. here. So one of them is that um, there's a company called Polaris or uh, there's another one called Maker. I'm not sure exactly how they're related, but they're basically jointly producing this reality show. And Pepsi is a sponsor. And so basically... One of the th- the way it started was that there's a bunch of indie game developers were invited to be a part of this, and they received uh, contracts and remuneration. Have you heard about this part? Um, I I didn't read specifically about any money that they made. No. So, right off the bat, it was <laughs> it was a horrible situation because they were basically going to be paid three hundred dollars for participating. <laughs> and the, the contract said that um, in addition to like just getting that measly and it's totally measly remuneration, um, they should have gotten way more. They there was clauses in the contract that said things to the effect of like, um, yeah, we can misrepresent your thoughts, <laughs> actions, etc., for dramatic effect. Because guess what? That's what all these reality shows do. Although they were a little misled, I feel like, in that respect, because they, were, they said it was going to be like Top Chef, and the kind of drama that was mucked around is not the kind of thing. We'll, we'll dig in a bit more in a second. We'll It's back. Last, um, whatever you call it, for Chatterbox this week. Last segment. Segment, that's the word I'm looking for. And the last bit of Phoenix-based, holy Phoenix-based Chatterbox. That's true. Yeah. And we're talking about the Game Jam incident. Okay, so a reality show is set up. They give them a contract that pretty much black and white says we can basically mess with the show to make things look crazy when they aren't. Yeah. And... I don't think anybody should have signed that stuff, but they did. And look, I've been in that spot before. I've been in that spot of uh, not being okay with a contract and signing it anyway. And you know what? Sometimes you have to make a mistake a few times before you learn your lesson. And it sucks that it has to be that way, but um, that's what it is. So I've learned that lesson the hard way. And I think everybody involved in this situation also learned that lesson the hard way because they shouldn't have, if that's not what they really wanted, they shouldn't have signed it. And they should have, they should have pushed back because here, the the main problem that I had, first of all, with how the producer, the production company organized this is that um, basically all the participants were treated like Nickelodeon kids. That I, I didn't 
read. I will tell you why I think that's true, and I think after I describe this, you will agree. Besides the fact that they're getting paltry cash versus like what everyone else involved is going to get out of it. Besides that, right? So that's Nickelodeon money, as far as I'm concerned. One, two. They had a whole suite of prizes that was basically Pepsi branded. And the prizes were completely insulting because as I read off this list of prizes, I'm thinking like none of these are what anyone who's actually participating would ever want to win. It's insulting. Let's see. What do we got here? Um, They're all branded. First of all, they're all Mountain Dew branded prizes. So, for example, you can get a Mountain Dew lawn chair or more cases of Mountain Dew. Or, oh, here's the grand prize, a year's supply of Mountain Dew. That was the grand prize for the show? Apparently. Uh, No, wait, there's more. Uh, Not only that, but a trip to Mountain Dew-sponsored extreme sport event. I think they would rather get an expense-paid trip to Mountain View instead of Mountain Dew. Well, I think they'd (laughs) rather get a trip to anywhere except Breckenridge, Colorado, where this supposed extreme sport event was happening. Hey, nothing wrong with Colorado. No, and also... uh, Access to ID at Xbox. Okay, so that's like the only, the yeah. only like legitimate thing. No, I mean it, it's all it's all in the exposure, which is subjective. Um, so I can understand why they did it, and I mean we should talk a little bit about what but, actually broke apart. What's with these garbage prizes, though? It's like how can you? It's like okay, now get get ready to pretend to be excited to possibly win lawn chairs. Well, I suspect this show was not going to be aired on like NBC. Or well, it's not going right? to be aired anywhere. Well, ever. Originally, its intention was probably on some very niche cable channel that very few people would watch anyway. And you know, you know, when you hit a game show on the game show channel that was not born of the the main four networks, the right. prices are very different than like Jeopardy. Fair enough, but a lot of people who've written about this incident complained about the tone that these prizes set, and I agree with that because being so branded does. Yeah, it, it's a little bit weird. the The level of the prize, yeah, also a little weird. Kind of like Wheel of Fortune, nineteen eighty five style. But Wheel of Fortune is like a like that's. I mean, that's like a huge. Do you remember back? Big at, prizes. Do you remember Wheel back in the day when there this? were there were two Wheel of Fortunes a day, one in the daytime, one in the evening. Oh God, no! And the evening one had like some defined prizes, but in the daytime, it would like show you this whole series of prizes rolling by, and you'd be like, "I want that one, and I want that one, and I want that one, and I want that one," and like. I think you spent all the money that you made on the show on prizes at the end. That's I, right. I never followed it I very remember much. that. Okay. Yeah. yeah. It, it was a little bit weird. But the prizes were all lower level than the stuff you'd get at like, the evening it's show. It's hard to get lower level than a lawn chair. I mean, That's, like, they could have tried a little harder. It's true. And, and it's like, okay, what do we, we don't have anything else. Uh, we already gave away a case. I know the next prize will be two cases. So, so anyway, the meat of this story is that the producers were so out of touch with the indie culture that they didn't realize... Or perhaps just didn't care just how insulting they were being when they were, you know, doing the the questioning of the participants, which is a, a standard yeah, feature so, of any So now we're getting to the really juicy part. Um, so, yeah. So this is the, the other part of this story, which is the part that everyone is up in arms about, is um, about, well, it's funny because I feel like there's two things happening. I feel like the cover story is that... Uh, this is a, and I'm going to express a lot of subtlety here. So this is, this is, uh, I have to be careful. The cover story seemed like it was basically a story about uh, misogyny getting defeated by people 
who refused to have any part in it. That is certainly how, how the story broke But me. I think after reading everything that I've read about this and a lot of different perspectives, wrote a lot of different pieces about this, one gets the impression that what actually happened was that a certain producer used the subtext of um, a possible misogynistic situation to incite drama between people. And then when it didn't work, um, the people involved decided to retaliate with what you can call the nuclear option. Yeah, just walking away. Yeah, we quit and the whole production was basically gone. What's amazing is that they all sort of quit together. But I guess since it was such low risk anyway, because the prices were such crap. Yeah. Like now, it was a million here's times. the thing. I think everyone should have quit <laughs> simply on the basis of the contracts being horrible and the remuneration being abysmal. Yeah. But so the producer was asking something about um, sex, uh, not not between two people, but the like asking one team, do you think you have an advantage because you have a pretty girl on your team? Yeah. So there's so actually I um, I'm glad that you uttered the exact sentence that was described as what the guy said. Yeah. Because I, it seems two two things happened here. One of them were this, these questions, okay, which is really in the forefront of this issue right now. And the other one was the guy was basically just a jackass that nobody wanted to work with. Now, you know, I can, def- I can defend the question very easily. Well, yeah, well, I think you're going to think you know what I'm getting at here. It's, I think it's totally enough for the person to be enough of a jackass in his overall behavior to, for nobody. It, none of the participants to want to be involved in the show. And I think that that's also totally righteous. But what I feel like kind of like took a very kind of like a weird sinister tack is how this was kind of turned on its head to be more dramatically about something that it wasn't really as much about, which was that all he asked, and I said it, I'll say it again, is do you think you're at an advantage because you have a pretty girl on your team? And what, what upsets me is that that sentence is now being thrown around as like something that's inherently misogynistic. And it's not. Not at all. It's a yeah. question that affirms that there's a girl that's pretty and says, do you think that this, do you think there's an advantage of that of any kind? Okay. Now, yeah, the subtext is there, right? But he didn't say he didn't he didn't make the that person asking the question didn't make the leap between inferring that a pretty girl infers anything one way or the other. And what's interesting is what happened was initially they they responded to the question on camera with the really awesome response, which is you know like no, and blah blah blah. Something like we're we're at, at an advantage because she's a great developer. Right, like what, whatever you would expect somebody who's really rational to say, and basically the producer's like, no, cut, cut the recording. There's no story here, right? He was obviously trying to get these people's goat to try and get them to fight against each other to make manufacture drama because that's what maybe this is the key. That's what reality shows with young people do, right? Because I was, I've been thinking to myself, like, why don't they try to do this crap on stuff like Top Chef? And the only thing I can think of is that everyone's older on that show, but this, this one had a bunch of young kids in it. And I think that the corporate entities involved 
were basically like, no, we have to treat them like Nickelodeon kids because they're young. And I think that's part of what the disaster is. But going back to this other thing here, um, what what upsets me is the, the overall tone of a lot of reactions to this incident. Because I would have reacted in the same way if um, I was in the presence of somebody who was as much of an asshole as he was being described as being. I don't have any tolerance for that either. I don't think anyone should have tolerance for it. I think you should speak up and not tolerate it if that's somehow that's the way somebody's behaving. It would have been really easy for him to ask that question, though, and not be offensive. Well, oh, it is. And that's why I'm, I'm actually I'm drawing a distinction between these two things and separating them out. Because here's the thing. The way a lot of people wrote about this incident who were there, I'm kind of getting... And also, when I've been reading comments on these stories, there's I get this distinct sense that there's this air and tone of... Um, I mean, I don't know how to say it. It's a bunch of different things. It's like anti-intellectualism, uh, mob mentality, stuff like that. Because... A lot of people frame the question that you said and I said that the guy uttered as something that shouldn't be asked, right? Like it's like it's so inherently misogynistic that you know, you shouldn't even ever ask that question. And I feel like if you're in a culture that opposes the asking of questions, then that's actually that's a very dangerous place to be in because now you are on the brink of um Instead of think, uh, instead of actually espousing and promoting rational thought and discourse, now you're doing all the bad things that everything that you think you're fighting against is doing. Does that make sense? Um, it's hypocritical, a, a in other bit. words. But it, if he represented his question as that of the masses, right? Like people say stuff like this. Like yeah, I'm sure there was think? a more tactful way to do it that wouldn't have resulted <clears throat> in uh, all this backlash. And tact is everything for one. I, it probably wouldn't have produced the same drama they were going for. But yeah, but let, let, let me give you a quick example um, because I feel like in these sorts of things, um, a very similar thing happens in the health community, um, and it's I think it's totally analogous. So what happens in the health community is that there are these documentaries about nutrition and health and stuff. And there's lots of them. There's lots of them. And there's lots of opposing viewpoints. And there's lots of ones that say, no, this is good. And that'll kill you. And there's a, a opposite viewpoints hey, and stuff. When you're pregnant or when your, your mate is pregnant, yeah. uh, you will end up seeing a lot of those. Probably. I believe you. So – the thing that gets me is that, like, for example, okay, look, I'm not going to get into all the details because that's going to make it longer than it needs to be. But there's a certain there's a certain pattern of nutrition that I think is is the best nutrition is the best way to be healthy. Okay, let me just say it that way. All right, and I watch these documentaries sometimes that there's people that are let's say on the same side I am, so to speak, right? And instead of giving evidence that's um, instead of speaking the truth about the way things are, what they'll do is they'll distort reality into a lie in order to make um, the situations feel a lot more dire or dramatic than it really is in order to scare you from going over to the other side. Does that make sense? So I'll tell, I'll give you an exact example. So for example, one of them was there's this video 
of and she, this woman is a doctor and she's saying that the uh the feeling that you get uh that diet coke feeling uh, on your tongue or like in your head or whatever of uh that like uh I don't know of like the the bubbles popping on your tongue or stuff like that like that sensation is the sensation of brain cells dying. Okay. okay? And look, Diet I, Coke, I hadn't heard that. Diet Coke's not great for you, okay? It's better than regular Coke. It's not better than water. But why do we have to lie to people to bring them over to the truth? And this is what gets me. Like, these kinds of situations, all this sexist, misogynistic, gyno-whateveristic stuff that's happening back and forth between these all these arguments that are happening that are circulating the internet right now, the problem is is that we have two communities of people who, from their own perspectives, are correct, but they're talking past each other and they're fighting against each other because they don't seek truth. They seek to basically win at the other person's expense and they'll go to any... They will, they will lie to bolster their position and that's just, that's just hurting your own goals you know you don't have to you don't have to scare someone into thinking their brain cells are dying to get them to be healthy yeah you don't have to scare someone into thinking that all this other stuff that isn't true in order to convince them to um whatever whatever they're trying to convince them to be like not be misogynistic or whatever you know the reason i'm not so you know impassioned about this uh, as you are is like at least at this this point I'm still thinking about the show, right? And reality <laughs> TV, it's guaranteed from the outset that like well, they're yeah. going to try and to mess with you. Well, that's where the naivety comes in. Like, did you not like, did, like, how could you not fully expect somebody like a producer of the show to ask you controversial things to get you to say something even more controversial? Yeah. Well, the thing is, developer game developers are by nature creative and problem solving, yeah. and they should have anticipated this and been like, "Hey, guys, when this happens." Here's how we're going to take over and like mess with the show, right? I'm surprised they didn't have like a Trojan horse solution because well, well, walking off, yeah. I'm pretty sure they weren't planning on it. No, it wasn't planned, but I guess it has the same effect. Doesn't yeah. it? it would have been more interesting if they came up with a ploy. Yeah, and I I wish that they had had done that. So yeah. Anyway, thank you everyone for listening. This is uh, the end of the show. Of course, I mentioned Facebook before. You can find us there, and hopefully, you will interact with us. And uh, next time you hear us, Ara and I will be in very, very different places. Seek to understand, not to be correct. And I... Yeah, that's it. You've been listening to Chatterbox Video Game Radio. Tune in next week for more tips and info and the latest and greatest in video gaming. And remember, all your base are belong to us.